It's All Saints Day in 1961 at St. Rita of Cassia Parish on the south side of Chicago. Mass has already been said for the day, but a dozen or so faithful have gathered in the Augustinian-run parish on this chilly Tuesday in November to sit in the chapel and pray. In addition to it being a feast day, every Tuesday at the parish is dedicated to praying for souls in purgatory. However, what allegedly happened next was unprecedented. Sixty years later, parishioners still talk about the alleged events of that day, and the account remains the same. Father Sam Jutras, OSA, Associate Pastor at St. Rita's, has only been at the parish a few years, but he's heard the story many times. There is an oral tradition, um, and the oral tradition has remained constant. You know, you might expect uh, stories to take on different versions or flavors through different groups that tell it, but this story has largely, largely remained the same. This is Father Sam. As the story is told, it was All Souls Day, uh, sometime during the day. You know, back then in the 50s and 60s, churches were left open. Um, and so this must have been a time between masses, perhaps, or just in a, a time when people were coming into the church to pray. Um, and as the story goes, as people were praying, all of a sudden they heard some organ music, light organ music. And then they turned around because, of course, no one was planned or scheduled to be up there. There was no mass was going on. There wasn't a mass for uh, a while, apparently. And so uh, they see the people who are in the church see three kind of uh ghostly i guess you could say ghostly figures um were they monks were they augustinian friars who knows um but the as the story goes several people say that it was three monks or friars in black habits and three in white habits and they were chanting pray for us as the organ was playing this music, they, they were saying, pray for us, or chanting, pray for us, pray for us, pray for us. Well, of course, the people were kind of freaked out, a little afraid, and so they ran for the doors. But the doors closed and locked as they were trying to leave. So that's where the story ends. No further account exists. No one has a tale to tell about what happened next. Priest at the time dismissed it as a teenage prank, and Father Sam said there could easily be a logical explanation. Maybe the automatic lock system on the doors malfunctioned. However, those who were there swore by what they had seen and heard. To this day, the cathedral-like church at St. Rita's is known to Catholics and non-Catholics alike as the alleged site of a ghostly encounter. Stories like the one at St. Rita's are the stuff of nights around a campfire or in the midst of October, part of the spooky lore that lurks around the month leading up to Halloween, or as it was once known, All Hallows' Eve, the vigil of All Saints' Day, when Catholics remember those who have gone before us. Yeah, I think when we hear the word ghost in popular parlance, 
We think of these white figures circling around the tree around Halloween time. We see in Halloween decorations. I know when I was growing up, there was a cartoon called Casper the Friendly Ghost. And again, a white kind of sheet figure, a blob figure with some eyes or something. Hello, I'm Dr. Donald Wallenfang, professor of theology and philosophy at Sacred Heart Major Seminary. I've been teaching here for four years now, going into my fifth year here. Uh, and But the word ghost comes from a German word, Geist. Geist, a very significant word in uh, theology. It means spirit. So the meaning of ghost theologically, when we get into real Catholic perspective, we'll, we'll really think about all the different definitions of the term. Stories like the one at St. Rita's, told so persistently throughout the years with no change and no evil undertone, don't seem to fit in with either the commercialized or the occult-like understanding of ghosts. So what's a Catholic to think? Do Catholics believe in ghosts? Dr. Wallenfang's answer? Well, it's complicated. A good Catholic response is yes and no. Welcome to Detroit Stories a podcast on a mission to boldly share the stories of the people and communities in Southeast Michigan. These are the stories that fascinate and inspire us. Deciding whether or not to lay your loved ones cremated remains to rest can be challenging. Maybe you're thinking, it's best to keep my loved one near me for now. Our Catholic faith teaches that cremated remains should be buried in sacred and consecrated ground, and the Archdiocese of Detroit has a beautiful program to help you called Gather Them Home. It provides a Catholic burial for your loved one's cremated remains at one of six Archdiocese of Detroit cemeteries at no cost to you. For information about the free Gather Them Home program, please visit gatherthemhome.com or call 734-285-2155. In order to understand the Catholic answer, it's essential to define what we mean by ghost. And there are many definitions. Here's Dr. Wallenfang. Number one, something like a life principle of a personal being or a soul in the case of a human being. So we have the saying, someone gives up the ghost, meaning they die, and their soul is separated from the body. So that is real Catholic teaching. We read about this in the Catechism, uh, that the soul is the form of the body, the spiritual core of the person, and, and at death there's a separation of body and soul. And uh, then the, the person awaits the reunification of body and soul at the resurrection of the dead. As more commonly, the word ghost refers to like a disembodied soul, someone who has died, but then is appearing to someone who has not died. And so this would be in the category of apparition. And it could be even uh, not only a disembodied soul, but also perhaps an angel, an angel that has not fallen. As we read in scripture, the angel of the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, you know, so it's like, who's appearing here? Or, or at the empty tomb, uh, when Jesus rose from the dead, there's angelic figures. And so someone we might call these kind of figures under the category of ghosts or personal spiritual beings that, that appear uh, to the senses. 
Another possibility, a third kind of definition, would be a fallen angel, what's called a demon. And when we think of something that haunts, something that causes trouble, this would be a demon. Uh, then we have uh, more general concepts, so a fourth definition, a faint shadowy outline or semblance of, of some personal figure or body, a trace of something. Uh, another, a fifth definition, a false image or just a reflection or an illusion. And a final definition we could call a ghost uh, would be phantom or shadow, something that is sensed, but it is not real. Like in a dream, we might see people and they might say things, but it's not uh, in reality. It is it is something imagined. So. We, we can delineate across all these various definitions and the meaning of ghost, again, back to that German concept, Geist, or spirit. And even in reference to God, we talk about the third person of the Trinity, God the Holy Spirit, but sometimes called God the Holy Ghost. Uh, less common today, but more common in years past. While the Magisterium of the Church has never released definitive teachings about ghosts, the topic has not gone completely unaddressed by voices of authority in the Church. Uh, the popular uh, philosopher Peter Kreeft, Catholic philosopher, talks about three different kinds of ghosts, you know, quote-unquote per se. And it would be, yeah, a soul who's in heaven, a soul who's in hell, or a soul who's in purgatory. And uh, St. Thomas Aquinas um, talks about the exact same thing in his Summa Theologiae, his famous masterpiece, in the supplement of it. So things that were redacted and published after he died. But nevertheless, question 69, um, well, uh, Article 3, the question whether the souls who are in heaven or hell, and we could add purgatory to that, are able to go from thence. Are they able to appear on earth? Um, and he quotes St. Jerome in this passage, who in his letter to Vigilantius wrote about Jesus, the Lamb of God. If the Lamb is everywhere, therefore we must also believe that those who follow him are everywhere. Those who are with him are everywhere. And so St. Jerome is, is thinking this, that the souls uh, can appear here and there, um, depending on circumstances and especially the will of God. And this is what St. Thomas Aquinas writes, that separated souls, again, whether in heaven, hell, or purgatory, sometimes come forth from their abode and appear to men, men and women. Uh, so uh, a biographer of St. Thomas after he died uh, recounted that St. Thomas apparently was visited by Romanus, his brother who had died in an apparition, as well as his unnamed sister. Um, both of, of the, he had apparitions of both of them after they died to him. And uh, St. Thomas was concerned about the state of his soul, the state of their souls. Uh, and, and there was some dialogue between them. So one of the great theologians of the church does talk about this. But he, he, he says that the souls in heaven can will to appear to people on earth. There are also several mentions of ghosts in the Bible, and many saints reported encounters with demonic apparitions, like St. Teresa of Avila, 
or Teresa of Lisieux. Teresa of Avila has some of these. She talks about some of these, uh, where different kinds of figures appear to her. And in one case, she, she threw holy water in their direction. They were menacing her. Uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, demonic activity, the church definitely teaches, is, is something real. These are doctors of the church. They're having these experiences, um, probably oftentimes related to mystical experience in general. Then, um, yeah, we don't rule it out in the name of rationalism or scientism or, you know, uh, materialism. We do believe in the spiritual realm is more real than the material one. Uh, and so uh, there's a lot to think about. While such menacing spirits do exist, Dr. Wallenfang said it's important for Catholics to take a measured, Christ-centric approach when thinking about such things. C.S. Lewis said there's two bad extremes when it comes to thinking about the devil and demons. One, when people pretend they, they don't exist or people don't believe they exist. That's a bad extreme because we're getting at what is real. Yeah, they do exist. But the other extreme is we pay too much attention to them. And that's not good for the Christian life either. We need to be focused on Christ and, and not be afraid. While traditions like trick-or-treating might be harmless, Catholics absolutely ought to avoid practices that seek to contact spirits or to develop an unhealthy curiosity toward things that are not of God, Dr. Wallenfang said. The Catechism plainly condemns divination. That is, recourse to Satan or demons, conjuring up the dead or other practices falsely supposed to unveil the future. From the Catechism of the Catholic Church, number 2116. Yeah, exactly. We have to be very careful about the occult. All those practices that are paying too much attention to demons and actually, um, you know, really trying to tap into their power, the powers of darkness. You know, the tarot cards, the Ouija boards, um, and what's called necromancy the conjuring up of the dead, this intentional thing that goes on, which is clearly against Catholic teaching. When people, you know, the, uh, the, the, the psychic, the psychics, the, the palm readers, the crystal ball, you know, this kind of stuff is, is, is starting to move toward darkness and away from the light. And it's, it's, it's a great temptation for people as if God isn't enough, as if the will of God isn't strong enough to guide one's life. Why would someone want to tamper, you know, with with these things? And so, as, as you say, the term ghost tends to be associated with that territory of the occult. God does not intend for us to live in fear of things that may haunt us, terrorize, or menace us. That's why he gave his church authority over all spirits, Dr. Wallenfeng said, and especially the sacraments, which are powerful tools against evil. And in fact, we have the sacraments and the sacramentals to deflect and to shield ourselves from demonic influence, oppression, interference, and possession. Uh, so holy water is big. A lot of the saints use it, talk about it. Uh, and, and, and these holy water, the prayers of minor exorcism, like these, uh, crucifix, 
any kind of uh, blessed uh, objects, all the prayers of blessing. This is the will of God for us, is blessing and not destruction. I think this is what has to be checked in our thinking about ghosts, uh, in that we don't want uh, the powers of darkness to hijack the concept. Because why would we spend our time thinking about these kind of distracting phenomena when we have the Eucharist? <laughs> Christ waited for us the Eucharist. While the church urges caution and discernment and a healthy degree of skepticism regarding ghost stories, not all stories are necessarily malevolent. Like the story of St. Rita's in Chicago, the church allows for the possibility that those in heaven, or perhaps purgatory, might appear in some way to those on earth. Certainly, the church has many reported apparitions of saints, such as the Blessed Virgin Mary, appearing to the faithful throughout history. The church also leaves open the possibility that those in purgatory, souls who have died in God's grace and require purification before entering heaven, might in some way request the prayers of the faithful on earth. Father Sam, for his part, believes that could be part of the story at St. Rita's. I will say that as the story is told, it does not sound like a malignant event. Um, first of all, it's happening in the church. Um, and these monks, these friars who allegedly appeared were saying, pray for us, which is a very familiar um, phrase to Catholic faithful, pray for me. You know, we, we're always praying for others and especially for the deceased, for the faithful departed, and especially on All Souls Day, which is allegedly when this happened. So, so it sounds like as it is told and as it has remained constant it or consistent, it definitely sounds like it was uh, a holy um, a holy story. You know, I, I certainly don't think that uh, there's anything wrong with believing this. Um, I think, in fact, it can give us the perspective that we are called to pray for the deceased. And, and so I, I don't think that um, there's anything wrong with, with believing this story or perhaps other stories that are similar to it. Um, but I do think the interpretation can be left up to the listener. So what about the suddenly locking doors? Isn't that a bit scary? Well, that part might be a bit overdramatized. I think one thing that I do want to mention is that in terms of this, the, because the story ends with the doors closing and being locked, which is a little strange. Um, however, there was, there, there could possibly be an explanation um, for how, because of how this church was built. So we have a very large church, as I mentioned, cathedral-like. There are nine doors, um, nine large doors into the building. Um, and these nine doors, there are three sets of three 
uh, in the different sides of the building. Um, they were controlled by an automatic, by, by a, a, an electronic gener generator. And so every time you o even opened the door, all the doors of the church would open. This is no longer in, in place, this system. Um, it, it, now it's all done manually. But at, the, at this time in the 60s, which is allegedly when it happened, um, that was the system of opening and closing the church. So even if someone who was not in the church at that time, even if they perhaps were closing the door, leaving one of the entrances, and they closed it, perhaps they oh, they closed it in such a way that it activated the system and that they were all locked, um, which is how the church would have been locked every single day. So maybe it was uh, just that moment, just that perfect timing for the story. I don't know. In Chicago, ghost tours during the month of October frequently stop outside St. Rita's to tell the story. They don't go in, and the Augustinians at the parish don't offer any official opinion about what happened. I think it's interesting to say that, you know, there, there is this kind of aura about St. Rita with, because of this story. But I think one of the reasons that the Augustinians in the church have not said anything officially about this story is because, well, we do want to always encourage the faithful um, to, to believe in the real, the, the, the very powerful reality of prayer and of the sacraments and of the grace of the church. Whether a given ghost story is real or not, it's ultimately subordinated to the truth that God is real and Christ's redemptive power is the preeminent reality. Dr. Wallenfang said. I think to relate everything to Christ gives us the best view of the truth of a thing. His light shines into the truth of the matter. And as you mentioned, Halloween, as we know, it comes from All Hallows' Eve. It's, it's what it is, All Hallows' Eve, the, the vigil of the great feast of all saints. And our attention shouldn't be on the demons at that time, but the saints and, and, and the souls of the saved, the souls of the redeemed. So that's the positive concept of ghost. And moreover, as I mentioned, the, the name of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Ghost, the ghost in the fullest sense of the term, the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and so... The, the, what the devil and demons do is they try to mock the truth, to mock the real, to imitate, as as St. Paul says, Satan masquerades as an angel of light. Uh, and, and so they want to draw our attention away from God, the Holy Ghost, the souls of the saints, calling upon the prayers of the saints. They want to distract us. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing is, 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 is we keep um, exercising this life of prayer and following Christ. And uh, we know when we're getting distracted. We know when we're starting to turn toward these different things that don't have to do so much with the will of God. 
And that's where we cry out for a divine intervention. And again, I, I can't recommend enough the use of the sacramentals, um, holy water, uh, these prayers against the powers of darkness, uh, and the reading of scripture, just everything, turning, turning our minds, our hearts to the light, being in this living relationship with, with Christ. And so that we don't find ourselves walking among the shadows, or as St. Paul talks about, shadow boxing. It's futile and it's, and it's pointless. And so we, we yearn, we move toward the clarity in Christ. So what did happen on that Tuesday in 1961 in Chicago so many years ago? That's up to the understanding of the person hearing the story, Father Sam said. St. Rita does have this aura, you know, everyone's asking about it, about, oh, have you, have you experienced this or these ghosts? It's like, well, I have not <laughs> personally, and I've been here two, over two years, and, you know, I've been in the church by myself with the lights off several times, and I've uh, never felt afraid. Uh, in fact, one of the beautiful things about the church is that when it is completely black, there's that one little red light burning, um, which is the sanctuary lamp by the Blessed Sacrament. So, so I think uh, curiosity um, sometimes has to be tamed in light of faith, you know. Um, and so, yes, you know, as we get into fall, I think it's very important to pray for the deceased, um, but also to not get carried away with stories of, uh, you know, what you might call Catholic folklore or different things that could pull us away from faith. Detroit Stories is a production of the Detroit Catholic and the Communications Department of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Deciding whether or not to lay your loved one's cremated remains to rest can be challenging. Maybe you're thinking, it's best to keep my loved one near me for now. Our Catholic faith teaches that cremated remains should be buried in sacred and consecrated ground, and the Archdiocese of Detroit has a beautiful program to help you called Gather Them Home. It provides a Catholic burial for your loved one's cremated remains at one of six Archdiocese of Detroit cemeteries at no cost to you. For information about the free Gather Them Home program, please visit gatherthemhome.com or call 734-285-2155.